Hi, I'm Britton LaRue, and this is Moon to Moon. Moon to Moon is a space to consider, celebrate, and share the ways we come home to ourselves, anchor through change, and uncover our power. One month, one phase, one loving step at a time. I am so excited in this episode to share my conversation with Ashley Estabrook of Witches for Bernie on Instagram. I will read Ashley's bio and give some background to how I know her and how I know her work in a minute, but I I want to begin by just saying that there was something like blessed about my conversation with Ashley. I arrived just, I think I knew, I knew the whole time from the moment we set it up by email that it was going to be awesome. I wasn't worried about it. I wasn't nervous. I just, I just had this total confidence, um, which I don't always have (laughs) when I'm going to be doing an interview. Um, I'm still really getting used to the interview format and like how to be quote unquote good at it, you know? Um, so there's always a little fear that I'm shepherding worry that I'm caretaking in me that like, I won't do a good job mostly because I, I deeply desire for people to feel celebrated and witnessed when they come to moon to moon and I worry that like I won't spotlight something that would be special to spotlight or like maybe I'm missing something really unique about them and and what if I don't ask the question that brings that forward. So just like everything that I do with my inner child and inner critic, usually I go through a little bit of a process to get to a point where I feel ready. But with Ashley, I just never had that at all. And the day of our conversation, I was just pure excitement, just pure excitement. Like, I can't wait to talk to this person. And we just had this wonderful chemistry and we could have talked and talked and talked forever. So very excited to share that with you in a minute. I did want to begin by honoring Mars and Cancer a little bit because I haven't talked about how it's my Mars return much. Um, it's been so present that I, I've i just been watching it unfold and um, kind of just like having my mind blown at how without fail, I think the Mars return is huge. I know it's especially big for people where Mars is really strong in their chart. Like if you're Aries or Scorpio rising, or if you're an Aries or Scorpio sun, for example. And I mean, 
Without fail, Mars returns bring really big shifts in my life. So I've been knowing that it's coming and it, uh, it's just been a time. Um, I have to be honest with you. I have been walking through a lot that I'm carrying. I've been really, really glad for the tools that I have. And um, like in a lot of trust and a lot of um, kind of ha- hanged man-like sense of just waiting it out because I can't see yet what's happening. But the shifting pieces are, they all just culminated yesterday on the 29th of May with my exact Mars return. (laughs) And so I don't really want to get into the deepest details of my private life, but For those of you fascinated by astrology, and many of you are, many of you are astrologers who listen or are students of astrology, I definitely recommend paying attention to Mars Returns. Um, So on the day before Mars entered Cancer, which was April 23rd, I severed ties with a spiritual community to which I belonged. Wealth is the name of it, um, run by Carolyn Elliott. And I realized through the beautiful teachings of the Hierophant and Taurus season and through the um, guidance of what came through for me as the emergent no, I have a whole episode on that, that that group's going to be a no for me. And so I... I waited till I had a full body no, not just like an intellectual no or a knee jerk no. And I did it the night before Mars entered Cancer. And so I keep a journal, you know. So I can tell you that in the the two days when Mars entered Cancer, my thoughts were about one, rollicking, feeling like, Carolyn Elliott was going to show up at my door and hurt me. <laughs> I was like terrified of being in trouble. I, th- I was like, sure, that like some like jer- like some band of witches was just going to come and like drag me out. It was, it was quite fascinating how fearful I became for asserting my no. And um, so I was working through some of that, like, working through an inner child fear that I don't have the authority to have a desire to leave a group. But on, on what authority do you think you can do that? You know, who do you think you are? This kind of stuff that, I'm, that I hear. And I'm very familiar with this, uh, this, this, this program, you know, this is, I, I know how to hold myself through it, but it's not like necessarily easeful, you know, because it's old. And uh, also the beginning of Mars entering Cancer, I was noting how 
I can't live in this house anymore. It's too small for me and my daughters. Like, we're on top of each other. Like, we feel so stifled. Like, that we need more spaciousness. Like, I can't keep avoiding this. I've got to deal. And I was noting that something was going on with my man formerly known as my beloved and that I was saying it's time for me to ask about these things that I'm troubled by because I don't want to be presuming like what's going on with this person. I just want to know, you know? So since um, Mars and Cancer began, all of these themes uh, have been playing out. The Carolyn Elliott thing feels like a million years ago, and I'm not even talking about that anymore. Like, I don't even think about it. I did, a, I did inner child healing. I worked with Natasha. I, like, really did some healing around this feeling of, like, groups of um, powerful people telling me that, I'm, you know, my... My right, my um, my voice doesn't matter. Um, so I feel like that's really old at this point. But in the process of Mars and Cancer, um, my man formerly known as my beloved and I, because of the questions that I brought forward, decided to terminate our re- relationship because I don't want to get into it, but it's mostly a long-distance problem not a love problem it's not a I don't feel for you anymore problem it's a um just like the stuff of living is in the way you know it's really hard for my Pisces to uh understand but um the minutiae of things get in the way apparently so I've been working through a lot of like inner aggression around that um, and just being really upset about that severing and confused and going through a lot of fear that there, that once again, there's going to be a fallout in my life because I asserted what I wanted and what, what I had merged or coupled with that fear was the like belief then that I would be alone. That loneliness is what follows my assertions of self. <clears throat> felt it with the Carolyn deal and then felt it with the beloved like group and then partner. You know, just like I'm going to be alone is how my inner child felt. And so it's there's just been a lot of vortex. Meanwhile, in order to move forward then um, with the other component, I began putting one foot in front of the other to sell my house and purged so much, just like cutting it out of my living space. Okay, so Mars rules pointed objects moving through my fourth house of home and living space. Just like wielding this Mars sword, just like that's the past, that's the past, that's the past, that's the past. Just like letting it so much go. Like there's like all kinds of pre-divorce Britain that I was still holding on to. There's just like a lot of stuff from my post-divorce period that I feel like is not really present moment anymore. So it's just a lot of like updating, updating, updating my, uh, my living space 
materially with stuff in order to to come into present time with my own will and to come into present time with like what I want for my home you know and so I was giggling you know when we set the uh the the date for my opening weekend of the house on the market for the the exact weekend of my Mars return because how perfect like you're literally severing severing the contract with a home your living space and then yesterday at the time of my Mars return I received a blissful amazing contract to buy my house and I accepted it with moon void, of course, between eclipses and as Mercury was stationing retrograde. So how's that for just like, you know, uh, not following any quote unquote rules. My Mars is out of bounds. uh, my it was out of bounds when I was born. And that's a whole thing that I'm not going to get into. But often with our out of bounds planets, if you have any, um, they're sort of like a maverick energy or just energy of like not being able to be controlled fully. And I really felt that <clears throat> part of myself at play lately. So, and also on my Mars exact return yesterday, I was able to have a, a really lovely conversation that created closure with this person that I was previously in partnership with. And I felt my anger dissolve into just sincere love and hopes that this person has what they need then and will be at peace. And I saw myself like the Knight of Cups or the Chariot, which is two energies with which I associate my Mars and Cancer placement. Just like getting back on my horse, you know, just like, okay, so it ends, you know, and just like, I just felt it leaving me, the anger, the refusal to be okay with it, the confusion, like the need to understand It just began to dissolve. And listening to him talk, I could really see him. And I thought to myself that these eclipses were allowing me to see him more purely. And I'm glad that these aspects were previously overshadowed. Or maybe we would never have been. And we wouldn't have gotten to experience the time that we had together, which was so good and so beautiful. We just totally did not care about the distance and we made it work. And that time has ended. And so I just woke up today just like so moved by astrology by these planets I've been in such deep conversation with so many of them lately Venus just really trying to feel trust that like I'm not going to be alone and that I will receive 
a better house and um, that we will have what we need and I will find fun people to hang out with in long or short-term partnerships and really wanting to feel trust in that and calling on Mercury, just like, help me with these contracts. I know you're slowing down. I know you're going to be retrograde, but like, I love you, Mercury. And like, help me with this commerce. Help me in these exchanges. Help me make beautiful contracts with people. Help me, help me um, know when the contract is good, you know? And Jupiter too, you know, asking for a fortune, blessing, abundance, the good fortune to know that my current house is going to a wonderful family, which it is, a couple with a dog, they're adorable, and magnetizing a yes from the people that I put an offer in with, I still don't know yet, and Mars especially, just like It's a trip to be born with Mars in detriment, we say. And it's fall, technically, because Mars is very strong in the opposing sign of Capricorn. But I absolutely love that I am Mars in Cancer. And uh, I'm, I'm very moved and proud of myself and grateful that I know that I'm being held through the two cards that keep coming the most, which are the tower, the card ruled by Mars, the card of like huge transformation, big shifts, and ten of cups, which is astrologically aligned with Mars and Pisces and has to do with Trusting that you have everything that you need. That even in your like apparent vulnerability or your apparent fragility or emotionality, right? Water signs. You can connect with your inner decisiveness to like grasp the good things that you do want in life. And um, I feel very held by my my tarot decks. <laughs> and I know you know what I mean if you're listening and you love your tarot decks. So it's a lot. And I'm still showing up to I'm still showing up to my purpose here because I just don't skip that. My my de- it's my devotion. And so I am so happy to be deep in cancer and moon themes right now as I build up towards my core soft strength and the whole soft strength is like a huge honoring to all that cancer and the moon can teach us which is just an endless amount and just constantly giving so there's a little bit about what's been going on Let's get to my conversation with Ashley then. So let me read Ashley's bio and then I want to kind of then go back in time to kind of build back up to the present moment. Here's Ashley's bio. Ashley Estabrook 
is the creator of Witches for Bernie, an Instagram account turned creative space for dreaming up a new tomorrow. Ashley's writing infuses her passions in a unique way, bringing together the parts of herself that weren't allowed to be connected in the past. Her work focuses on using magical tools, including tarot, astrology, and journaling to shift perspectives around reparenting and inner child work. Recently expanding into the world of Patreon and embracing the student-teacher archetype, she has transformed her platform into a space where she shares the information that she learns and integrates with her professional background in mental health and the medical field. What started in January 2020 as a way to connect progressive witches on Instagram has grown into a magical world where you can find anything from tarot readings to mutual aid fundraising to ritual guides to Bernie memes. Witches for Bernie is a space for alchemizing hope for our future by processing our past and finding ways to feel magical and creative in our present. Such a good bio. So Ashley Estabrook was in my first iteration of Soft Strength in 2019. This is before Witches for Bernie. The first time that I taught Soft Strength, it was a completely self-paced class. I made the lessons, but there was no live component. I offered a lot of journaling support and I offered meditations but I was not consulting with anyone. I wasn't seeing anyone's faces. Some people gave me feedback and let me know how they were doing. Other people didn't. Um, it was just kind of like, okay, here it is. I'm putting it out there. You know, <clears throat> it was really my first. Well, I guess it was my second online class after my first one was Neptune Vibes on Pisces in the spring of winter, spring of 2019, that same year. So I was really excited to do another watery class because this is my favorite zone. But I didn't, I just knew the name Ashley Estabrook. Like I didn't know her after that. Um, I just knew she really liked it from the email that I got after the class. So in, I guess early witches for bernie january february of 2020 feels like 1000 years ago i was tagged in a post brought by witches for bernie i didn't it wasn't associated with anyone named ashley estabrook it was just witches for bernie and saying that i like little did i little did um she know but britain larue's teachings have been transformational for me and it was just this really beautiful post where I think she tagged maybe two or three other people too and sharing who her main core teachers were at the time it was so nice and it was you know a fairly new account based on the following and I really like following people who follow me if they have a public account I don't always do this because I might not click on it and see oh this person might want me to follow them but I like the reciprocity and the like openness of responding with a follow back you know I recommend it it's like it like greases the wheels of Instagram I think so um I started following witches for Bernie 
And then over the course of several months, um, I started getting an Ashley Estabrook who was buying my workbooks last spring when I started doing my workbooks. And I was like, oh, I remember that name. Can't remember exactly where, but I remember that name. And so I was sending her the workbooks. And then I sent an email out asking everybody if they who took soft strength the year before if they wanted to do it again. She said yes, but she didn't show to come to any live classes, so I didn't connect her face or anything. Uh, she just shared like, oh my gosh, yes, 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 I want to do it again. Thank you so much for offering it at a discounted price. But it, so it wasn't until like maybe last fall that we DM'd an Instagram and I realized that Wishes for Bernie was Ashley. It was like, wait, what? Uh, it was <clears throat> my Piscean moment of not realizing something. Um, and by that point, Witches for Bernie was becoming one of my favorite feeds. It was like, oh my God, I love Witches for Bernie. Wait, what? You <laughs> <laughs> it was just really funny because it just took me so long to put these things together. Meanwhile, like people I admire, like Jeff Henshaw of Cosmic Cousins and Angela Mary Magic, different people are promoting Witches for Bernie, celebrating Witches for Bernie. And it's like Witches for Bernie's everywhere. Um, and Witches for Bernie is before my eyes transforming and becoming this like, different thing than what it started out being, which was like a nexus of politics and, and magic. Um, it started bringing in a lot more astrology as a feed. It started bringing offerings like um, creative um, things that Ashley began doing, which we talk a lot about in our conversation. But I've just been so impressed watching the rise of this Insta feed, which now has nearly 10,000 followers in such a short amount of time. So Ashley's just a, a really remarkable person. She gives so much to her passions. And what I really want to underline here that comes through in the conversation is that what Ashley shares is that the self-trust piece was the crucial one. A really big part of soft strength is doing repair work. From what? From legacies of self-abandonment. In order to grow self-trust, self-esteem, self-love, self-worth, the four pillars that I associate with the fixed signs, like the parts of us that we can count on, you know? Like, the core piece is repairing years of self-abandonment, self-abandonment can look like saying yes when you mean no and no when you mean yes. It looks like not speaking up when something's bothering you. Self-abandonment is saying you're going to do something and then you don't do it. Knowing that something is off and then ignoring it. So denying your intuition there's so many ways that we self-abandon. And I use this word because it's been really powerful for me. Because when you put the word abandon out there, you're like, I don't want to abandon myself. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's what I've been doing? That's what I was doing when I said no and I meant yes? Ooh, I need to learn how to not do that. Because abandonment, I don't want to be doing that. You know? 
And especially for very intuitive and empathic people, when you become very aware of what the other person wants, when you're very aware of like, "Mm, I feel like they would feel really good if this is how I answered or this is how I responded to the situation. I'll just do that because it'll be like uncomfortable, you know, if they don't get what they want. Or you get to that, who am I? Who am I to assert my authority like I was talking about earlier? And um, so a big part of soft strength is speaking to this self-trust piece which is about repairing from that self-abandonment and that sense of not belonging to yourself that can come with it. And what happens when we begin showing up with, to, for ourselves with consistency and care, which are two core pieces of self-strength, is that we realize we're trusting our inner voice. We're hearing the inner voice talking to us. It's your intuition. And the more you hear and you have access to your inner voice, the more you can be creative in your life. The more you just go do the thing. You just put yourself out there. You just show up for your passions. You may still have to talk to your inner critic. You may still have to second guess yourself or feel resistance or move through like, I don't know, you know, but it becomes like quieter and ease, more easeful um, as you just keep showing up. And as you teach the universe and your unconscious what you're no longer doing, i.e. self-abandonment, your intuition, which is the high priestess part of the moon, just begins to blow open and you just notice that like you have so many ideas, you are so creatively fertile, you you know what you want, and you kn- then notice that you are not afraid as afraid to go do the thing, you know? And just like I said, just like me, you can still you can still have the voice that's like, oh my god, how dare I, how dare I assert my will? I'm gonna be alone now. Like these things just come up the more you expand. These things come up the more you show up to your life. Like you just, you do keep having li- new limits, but you just keep pushing through them because like my intuition is, is guiding me and it's working and I'm trusting it. So even if I have this resistance, I'm just going to do it anyway. And, um, What's so remarkable then and fun about being witness to witches for Bernie has been to experience the ride of that for her. Even though it took me a while to connect the dots, <laughs> I, um, I really value what she's doing and I really value her as a person. And I think that her work is really important. And... Um, I think that there are probably people here listening who are also wanting to bring something into the world that's important, something that comes from your passions, maybe from different parts of yourself. And you think, how can I marry these different parts of who I am? How can I put them together? Ashley is an example of someone who 
wove something together that's from different parts of her life and different parts of her experience. She created something uniquely to her and people resonated with it, you know? So I hope that if you are someone like that, that you will especially find some inspiration from Ashley's voice and Ashley's story. I'm so excited to share it with you now. Enjoy. Thank you so much, Ashley, for being here. Thank you for having me. I have been thinking about, I can't even remember when I started following you. I feel like Witches for Bernie has been a part of my life for, gosh, a really long time now. You, The algorithm knows how important your feed is to me because I don't miss anything. I feel like, and, <laughs> and it's, uh, it's so nice to just be able to talk with you and connect with you because we've never actually had a conversation, even though we've known each other's work for quite a long time now. So thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you for having me. And your voice is just such a familiar tone in my ear between the soft strength courses that I've gone through twice now, and then your podcast. And I feel like you're just such a familiar voice to me. Very comforting. Thank you. Um, well, what I really want to get into what I, what I would love to begin with is just let you have some space to tell what you might call a story and um, feel free to linger in any details that would feel good to you. Um, I would love to know how you came to be witches for Bernie and also how you came to astrology and see how those intersect and just whatever comes forward, we'll just roll with it. Absolutely. So my story for witches of Bernie, I had had to look back originally. I created the account on January 10th, 2020, even though it feels like it's been a part of my life for so much longer. Wow. <laughs> I, I attribute part of that to the pandemic, to be honest, 2020 was the longest feeling year without a doubt that I think I've had in my entire life. Um, I am only 32. I just entered uh, my, you know, post Saturn return phase that ended at the end of last year. And so I think a lot of my journey with both witches for Bernie and astrology kind of been tied into Instagram. I think a lot of when I first got exposed to astrology beyond the reading it in newspapers growing up and magazines, it really was those astrology memes. It was kind of the joke back in 2017, 2018, that all the astrology memes started appearing. And really for me, I think that back on my main account, I got that exposure and realized, oh, People are posting about this. People are talking about this. I can follow these people. I can learn about these topics that in my life, I hadn't actually revisited being a witch as an adult. I had a lot of interest in 
high school and some back in elementary school. But that was really the first time around 2016, 2017, where I realized people are talking about this. I could learn from people. There are resources available that aren't just, you know, follow this Wicca protocol from the 1950s or you're doing everything wrong. You can Mm -hmm. tell that people were really trying to make it a little more accessible for better or for worse (laughs) as that's turned over the years with witch talk and everything like that. But for me, it was noticing that people are talking about this in my world. At that point in time, I was a medical social worker. I spent all day going around to people's houses, talking to them about their issues, seeing how I could help them. And then I would go home and, you know, I would hop online and I would see what resources were out there, what people were talking about. And suddenly I started to see, oh, I identify with this. Oh, I'm a Gemini rising. Everyone hates Geminis. Oh no. Oh, what does that mean about me? And I I really think that it was things like that. Oh, Scorpio moon. Oh no. Everyone hates Scorpio moons. I've got to learn about Scorpio moons. So I would do those little deep dives at night while, um, you know, my husband, fiance and boyfriend at the time would be online or he'd be working for our uh, tech business that I've since recently joined in the last couple of years, but he would be working and I would sit on my phone and scroll and say, oh no, what does it mean that I have (laughs) my moon and Pluto together and Scorpio in my sixth house? Oh no. But then I would read things and realize, okay. Yeah, that did happen to me, but I can overcome this. And, um, you know, I, I share intermittently on my page that my background's uh, in social work. I'm a licensed social worker still, even though I'm not currently practicing. And I realize that awareness is always the first step. You've got to be aware of the things you have to recognize. You have to say, yes, that did happen rather than just shoving it down into the corners of mm-hmm. you know, your soul. And I think a lot of it has really been about acceptance and curiosity. I might be my Gemini rising, but I have always been a really curious person. I was told as a kid, I would ask questions up the wall that my parents didn't have answers to. My mom would say, go ask your dad. And my dad would make up some sort of fantastical answer that would satisfy me, even if it wasn't true. And I think that I've kind of taken that in with astrology. It was all with a grain of salt at first. I thought, oh, the stars. Oh, oh, how true could this be? Oh, we can read anything and apply it to ourselves. But then you start noticing the patterns. And that's what happens after awareness. It's about the pattern making. And you start noticing, well, if this and this mean this, then I can do that and that. And it will mean that to shift it up. And that's, to me, the magic in astrology and the archetypes and in the language of it all. It's about how you make meaning of the stories that you tell about yourself, about your future, about your current present. And I think that's kind of a, a long-winded answer about how I uh, got back into astrology or got seriously into astrology from the start. And then Witches for Bernie really came from, um, well, to be honest, I'm, I'm going to name drop for a moment. I think, you know, and have worked with him maybe even a little bit, Jeff Henshaw, Cosmic yes. Cousins. Yes. So I fell in love with the, um, oh, probably the queen of Zodiacs is what I started on when he would do yes. the, the stories. And then I know it evolved into being more about the, the seasons and he ended up stopping early in the pandemic, I believe. But those 
Oh, not only did I learn so much from him, I think his podcast was the first um, astrology or even witch adjacent podcast that I started listening to. But I noticed that he started talking about Bernie and I, I have been obsessed with Bernie Sanders since 2015. Like my, my Bernie story is a whole other, I mean, that could be a whole podcast in and of itself. <laughs> so my, um, <laughs> when I saw him talk about Bernie, oh, for the first time I was just fangirling. The second time I thought, oh man, there are witches that like Bernie. And then it kept happening. And then I would notice a few other people that I follow talk about him. You know, this was pretty late game in the primaries. This was December, 2019. I think he announced he was going to be in the race back in March that year. And so, you know, in hindsight, 2020, I wish I would have thought of and created the account way before, but (laughs) it just so happened that, you know, one night I was scrolling my feed probably before I went to bed. And then January 9th, 2020, I had this thought before I went to bed. I thought, I wish I could find more witches for Bernie. And that was it. And that was it. The next morning I created the account. I'm like, you know what? Screw it. Witches for Bernie. I I knew it was just kind of a shock value name. You know, people wouldn't know if I was one person. They would think, oh, are there witches for Bernie? Is is this a group? Is this a whole group of witches for Bernie? (laughs) Which I wanted. I wanted a group of witches for Bernie. So it's kind of one of those make it, you know, fake it till you make it. I was witches for Bernie and it was very slow going by the time Bernie dropped out of the race in March with everything going on with COVID. Um, you know, if, if that was technically when he dropped out, it was such a weird timeline with how the primaries ended up going. But I think my account got stuck at about you know, 1200 followers. I wasn't gaining a ton of traction. I had this idea in my head that I would get 10,000 followers and be able to do all sorts of swipe up links in my stories. And I would get people to volunteer and donate and look at all these news articles. And I would share information and had created a link tree. I remember at the time that probably within six weeks got taken down by Instagram. They said, no, you can't do it. And I'm not sure if it was just because I was linking news articles or what the real reason was, but I got pretty discouraged at that point from trying to be this, you know, font of knowledge for the fellow witches for Bernie. I, I kind of wanted to be this spokesperson, I think saying, Hey, look at all this that's happening. This matters. And I had to pretty quickly realize Especially, especially once we broached on May and I had to really think about, you know, I am a white woman, I am cis, I am bi, but I have an immense amount of privilege and I've I've got to think about how I'm centering my voice. And that's a constant struggle that will resurface. I mean, it's, that's just going to be an ongoing journey. And it made me realize that I don't necessarily need to put that pressure on myself to try to educate everyone about everything and instead try to really focus on the things that are a little more in my wheelhouse, things that are a little more in my expertise. And some of that comes from my background in social work. And some of that comes from my background, just you know, being a business owner as well. I think a lot of that has really informed how that page has evolved over the last year and almost a half. Wow. And it, it has evolved you know, like what are your, um, what are you enjoying that you're doing with it now that maybe like a year ago you never would have imagined? 
Oh, all of my creative endeavors. I would say that when I started this page, I completely thought that I would just be resharing information, resharing posts, trying to say, look at all of this that's happening together in one picture. Um, and now it's more about, you know, tapping into my own creativity. This last year in November, I started The Artist's Way and I actually completed it for the first time. And it's, it's a 12-week writing course through a book that I got Oh, about a decade ago, actually, um, my, my father passed away in 2009 and, uh, the next year and change after that, I was in a women's support group and one of the women recommended that book and it sat on my bookshelf ever since. And then for some reason last year, I think there was probably something going on with throat chakra activation and writing and all of these themes coming up, because usually that's what will make me look at a book on my shelf and think, ah, you're the themes that I need to pull out right now, aren't you? And so I ended up sitting down and reading the first chapter and doing the first week. And I just kept going. And I think a lot of it was, um, it was right around the time that Saturn was going to move out of Capricorn. And so online, there was a ton of narrative about boundaries and structure and, and follow through. For me, something that has been really important with Saturn is follow through. And so Going through that, um, um, it, basically the biggest part of the artist's way is that every morning or you know, at any point in time of the day, if you're me, you end up writing three full pages or as full as you can. And for me, I would just usually start thinking about things I wanted to do for Witches for Bernie. And I would get the mundane life stuff out of the way. And then I would start thinking of things I wanted to do. And then I would show up the next day. And if I wrote about it again, I would realize this is probably something I should sit down and do. And I think that's one of the first reasons I started um, offering card pulls in my stories. And I did it for free. And after a couple of really great responses, some people asked if they would um, be able to get a reading from me. And that's when I uh, felt that fourth wall have to fall down that first year for Witches for Bernie, it was just an anonymous account. I never used my name. Uh, I think I threw up pronouns at one point, but I just made it very, very veiled, very secretive, very Scorpio. <laughs> and I, I knew that I couldn't do that if I was going to you know, receive any sort of tips or income or any, anything that would take Witches for Bernie away from just being a way that I spent my time during the pandemic into something that was really going to be long lasting and help, you know, hopefully sustain some of my family. You know, for, for the last few years, I've been no longer working in social work, partially due to burnout and partially due to getting a client that was large enough to support me coming on full time and taking on some ownership for the company that my husband and I run. But honestly, I uh, wouldn't be able to have run an Instagram account for free, you know, for long once the pandemic stopped, um, you know, with some of the restrictions lifting and clients expecting on-site visits when you can't quite tell them that you need to meet remotely anymore. So I think that's really been the biggest shift that I've been able to open my mind to using my creativity in ways that could let me, you know, have some long lasting benefits, both spiritually, because I feel a sense of fulfillment 
from doing something that, you know, really stimulates me. I, I think it's completely different work than anything I've ever done with um, social work or mental health or medical in the past. And it's completely night and day different from what I do with my IT clients and following up with them. Um, so I just, I think it's just completely changed my life, to be honest. Well, your passion really comes through and it's a real gift, your feed to the community that you constellate through it. So thank you. I mean, you, you really pour so much into it and we receive it, you know? Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And I've really felt that evolution happening for you and have been so curious what, you know, what, what may have catalyzed or shifted for you to move into more creative spaces with yourself. Do you know that, um, the Julia Cameron is a Pisces son? <gasps> no, I did not. I've actually never looked at her chart. That does not surprise me one bit. <laughs> oh, I love that. Well, and, and that's, that's my 10th house and, uh, my North yeah. nodes in there along with my son. So I've got, I've got busy, busy Pisces. <laughs> Yes. Yes. I wanted to share that since you've shared about the Gemini rising and, and the Scorpio moon. So yes, I'm curious to know if you felt that you had, um, like how, what was the journey for you to being able to claim or name yourself as a witch? Uh, or was that a, was that a journey or, um, you know, what was that process like for you? And what might you say to anyone who um, dances around or is working with being able to access that word for themselves? Yes, absolutely. Um, I would say that you know, I know the witch wound is coming up more and more in conversation as some different practitioners are talking and teaching about it. And that's the term that I think resonates with me. I know that when I was in probably third and fourth grade, my friends and I, like most in the Pluto and Scorpio generation, probably, <laughs> we went through our witchy phase. But for us, you know, we weren't just curious and watching things like the craft. We were going to every library we could, public and private, to see if everything in the Dewey Decimal System that talked about witchcraft or anything adjacent. And then as soon as we got dial up internet, I know we just started looking for everything that we could. And at one point I printed out some materials to take to my friends at school for us to look at. And I just remember my mom finding out and she was always very um, loose with the punishment. I was an only child at the time and I usually never got punished. But for that one, she grounded me off the computer for a month. Wow. And it was, um, you know, in, in hindsight, I've since learned that there are appropriate punishments. And it, I feel like a lot of uh, my work has been informed on this book called Growing Up Again, Parenting Ourselves, Parenting Our Children, which is where a lot of my basis for like nurture and structure being the two foundations for reparenting came from. Mm -hmm. And so, so when I think back to that punishment of a month, you know, my childhood still remains a little fuzzy, but I'm quite certain that at that point in time, I, for many years, at least up until 
um, junior high and later in high, in high school, I completely stopped researching, looking into considering identifying being a witch. And it, it, even just as a child, it left something in my head where as an adult, I was an agnostic. I bordered on atheist. I lived from 14 to 28, probably just being completely barren spiritually. There was nothing. And it was incredibly hopeless. A lot of it was based out of losses that were in my life and seeing injustice in the world. My background's in psychology and family and human development. And then I got my master's in social work. And so, so much of my education and human work experience in a domestic violence shelter, it was very informed about the dark sides of the world. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of that you know, is, is a little apparent in my chart that I was able to navigate that and have that curiosity and for a long time to be able to live in that underworld. But it isn't a place where you can live forever. And it is definitely something where you'll get the burnout. You know, one of my favorite things in social work school that they would talk about is how mental health is always a spectrum. You know, it's not that you have anxiety or you don't. It's all about how much you have, how far it flows and how manageable it is. And for me, I think that, you know, using tools like astrology, tarot, and even just the idea of standing in your own power in any sort of magic, there's a way of taking that ownership back. And trying to say, this is what I want. And this is what I'm going to call in. And these are the actions I'm going to take. And knowing that you do have to almost have that trust in the rest of the world to kind of fill in the blanks around you. But it's about having that trust. And I think back when I was more in that underworld territory in my 20s, there wasn't a whole lot of trust. That's definitely been something I've had to work on in recent years. And I think, uh, I think a lot of that goes back to soft strength. I think that inner trust ha- was a deep theme that you brought up that I had never really had um, brought into the forefront of my mind in a real way. Hmm. Thank you for saying, sharing all of that. So would you say like, what was the, what would you say was the turn there where you moved from living in your body in a way that felt without trust and without spiritual anchoring. Can you, can you pinpoint like that's where the shift started to happen kind of in your Well, timeline? the, the biggest piece probably. So I, I had originally taken your soft strength course the summer of 2019. And then I did the audit in 2020 mainly because right in between, um, well, really a few months after the course, I cut off contact with my mom and it, you know, it was kind of one of those things that was maybe a long time coming and that I never really had the inner resolve to give myself the space and the boundaries to create that distance. And I just, I think that (laughs) there's no way I would be really identifying, especially public as a witch, if I was still deep in that relationship, especially if it was still at the point that it was back then. I think that a lot of my issues around inner trust are very rooted in, you know, childhood and having to, you know, 
just get by. I, I've had a lot of struggles in my life where I ended up being the caretaker from a very early age, around age nine. And so I think even in my career that showed up. And then as I do more archetype work and I think about my role in, in business in general, or as my role in witches for Bernie or my role as a witch in general, my identity as a witch in general, I think about that caretaker archetype and how it's almost a piece that needs to be healed in me to, And that's been a lot of my inner mothering of sorts. You know, you've got to be your inner mother and your inner father if we are going to be gendered about it, but I try not to be as much as I can. But I just think so much of that relationship with my mom was blocking my ability to identify as a witch, to be honest. Yeah. So that, that severing or that, or at least that stall, or how do you, how do you phrase it? Do you think of it as a, a boundary then? It is. That's a great question. Um, at this point in time, I just like to use the no contact phrase because I don't necessarily have an end game. I don't necessarily have an idea of what it would look like to heal that relationship. And, and I think in terms of um, work around forgiveness, that's something a lot of people struggle with. It's the, you know, everyone, whenever I listen to podcasts, I always hear people have their caveats. They talk about forgiveness work and then they say, but if it's not healthy, if it's not safe, if it's not such and such, and, you know, those always stand out to me because I think this leg of my journey it was still about forgiveness of myself for how I engaged and how I continued that relationship for so long. And, you know, how I kind of abandoned, I mean, it's, it was abandoning myself. Uh, a lot of the ideas around self-abandonment are something that I think are tied in with my self-forgiveness work. And in that, there's also the idea of, you know, forgiving my mom, even from afar, about her abandonment of me in different ways. And I think that that's not a journey I'm alone in. I think these are really common themes that a lot of folks, especially on my page for Witches for Bernie, they've talked about more than I've expected. I'll uh, go completely off course and post something about toxic moms or about kids raising themselves. And those will get more engagement than almost anything else sometimes. And I think that's what really spurred me into doing more of the reparenting work with people that follow me um, with the readings that I've been doing. And it's, I think that's always been healing for me too. looking at the way, the multitude of ways that we all need healing. Yes. I'm curious how you, um, how you found soft strength in 2019. I um, had a very small not that I have a big now, but a rel pretty small following at that time. I must have found you on my main page. I feel like usually I would find people shared through stories um, if they share somebody else. And I, I'd be curious. I wonder if I can go back in that account and see. I don't know how good <laughs> records are if it shows you which you could probably find in you know retrospective when I followed other people maybe. But I, I had to have found you sometime in the first half of 2019. I don't know if, if not later, I forget, when did you start your Instagram page? I remember you posted uh, one of your uh, newsletters. Summer 2000, 
18. Okay. Yeah. So I may have found you late that year or early in 2019, but I, I will say I had never invested in a course or in myself in anything like that. Um, it was a big leap for me. And I, that's part of why I support your work and you so wholeheartedly and recommend you, you know, as the day is long, because that, I, I don't know, it was just some perfect fit. I think I knew at that time that that was what I needed. And I can't imagine where I would be right now if I hadn't started on that journey. It was definitely the support I needed at the time. <laughs> oh, thank you. I'm so You're glad so it came from my own um, self-parenting and inner child work and also intuitive work. And um, like you, I think that we all attract a community that is resonant with our own you know, journeys. Absolutely. So I'm wondering if, if that class in particular woke you up to your Scorpio moon, or was there like an astrological component that was really helpful? Or was it more about sort of the idea of uh, self-care or uh, ritual or like working with the moon and those types of things? I was during the first round, I was really well, probably overwhelmed, honestly, because I was so early in the journey. I remember just taking in everything and thinking, oh, I need this. Oh, I need this. This is medicine. And I, I, if I remember right, I think I ended up being about a week behind you and everything. You'd send out the next email and be like, oh, I've got to watch everything. <laughs> um, so I would, I would take all of these notes. And then what really happened for me is um, over the next couple of months, after soft strength had ended, I would revisit those notes and I would think, okay, I need to do this. I need to do this. And usually it would be around things like, I need to make sure I'm eating breakfast every day. I need to make (laughs) sure that I'm going to bed at a regular hour, really basic stuff that honestly, you know, if I look back at my childhood, that what, especially into adolescence, those weren't always there. They weren't the expectations. And as a result, I somehow became a 20 something that wasn't doing those things to myself. And I, I think that's common. (laughs) That's common. And that's ties into the themes of self-abandonment where, where we almost don't know what we need, but we do because it's almost so obvious that we need to rest. We need to take care of ourselves and And it was really about coming back to those ideas and trying to remember that, that this is something that we can integrate into our lives. This is something that people can learn and shift around. And it really doesn't come overnight. I think that's the biggest reason why I wanted to audit. Well, plus the shift with my relationship with my mom, those were some of the biggest reasons why I wanted to audit last summer to make sure that I could revisit all those themes and see how much I had integrated and see where I had opportunities to, to refocus. Mm. So the self-care habit piece, do you think that that provided you a kind of like anchor place from which to do the really hard thing, which was to set the boundary? Yes, without a doubt, without a doubt. I think that it really was that foundational piece. And I know you mentioned my Scorpio moon. I think more than anything in that first round of soft strength, that was the sixth 
house aspect of that moon. Ah, yeah. Um, because my, I mean, first of all, the moon's already habits and daily activities when you get it in the sixth house and it's just those mm. routines, it's, it's my rhythm. And I can see where the gets off balance and, and it's wonderful. I mean, it's such a helpful tool. It's something where you never just, you know, it's you're, you do the work and you're done. I mean, even recently I had a stint a couple of weeks ago where I told my husband, I'm like, babe, I am getting really burnt out making breakfast every morning. I know I am. I know I am. And then I, we just do simple oatmeal and things like that, bacon and eggs. And it's, it's because I was doing more work on witches for burning and I was doing more work on our IT side. And I was starting to have that balance go out of whack. And people talk about work-life balance, work-life balance. It's just this you know, thing people say, but when you're working from home and you're working you know, still in a pandemic, and you're trying to balance a little side hustle for your creativity and your actual full-fledged career and trying to you know, still be in the process of reparenting yourself, you really start to notice when the balance shifts. And it's, it's something that, I don't know, I, I love the idea of calling attention back to it. It's frustrating in the moment when you notice, oh, this is happening. I'm slipping. I feel like I'm slipping. You feel like it's two steps forward, one step back. But then when, you know, like I said, this was a few weeks ago. So now I've got a little distance and I look at it and think how wonderful that I was able to recognize that. How Mm -hmm. wonderful that I didn't just stop cooking breakfast every morning. Instead, I grumbled about it a little bit, made it maybe an hour later. (laughs) How wonderful that I was able to see oh, I'm overwhelmed because I'm doing more work. And because that means I feel like I don't have enough time. And then how can I make those shifts in my daily routines? So I don't necessarily have to feel that way. And that to me is just, you know, a little microcosm of reparenting in a nutshell. Yes. Oh, all of this is so good. <laughs> no. oh. I'm like so happy, excited for you. And it's so wondrous <laughs> to just us see all of this living through you so beautifully. Thank you for oh. sharing all of this. I know it's really speaking to a lot of people who are listening because these are these are a lot of the things that are, you know, up in the people that I work with. Um like, what would you say to anyone out there who may want to um, take any of those steps, like the, the set the boundary step? And also like thinking about how just a few months after that, that boundary, you were able to say, I'm going to do this thing that was so bold. Um, <laughs> right. Right. And have such huge goals around it and be totally living it and showing up for it, you know? So I'm just wondering, like, there was a you that not too long ago, like probably could never have imagined this kind of um, discipline and not in like a drudgery way, but in just a way that you can feel really good about, you know? Um, Absolutely. I think for me, a lot, a lot of the first steps that I took were really about, well, especially after soft strength uh, with your meditations, I dove back into the idea of energy work and a lot about root chakra, especially 
I really strongly feel like this ties in with everything I know about mental health, about people, how we work. We've got to have that security, whether it's just that you feel like you're safe, you feel like you've got a foundation, you feel like the world's not just going to fall and crumble under your feet in any given moment. I feel like that's kind of that baseline that we have to achieve before we can ever, you know, move up into the sacral where we can feel that creativity, even if we keep it to ourselves. And then you move up to the solar plexus where you feel like you can actually shine a little bit and let people see it more than they might. And to me, it's really been about focusing on those themes when I feel like I need them. And I think a lot of people, when they get started, they'll find something, whether it's feeling secure or whether it's feeling like they're creative at all, or feeling like they can let anyone, even one person see that little creative glimpse they imagined up. I think that just finding where you're at in that journey and then, you know, focusing on that for a little while. I've actually been a huge theme, um, I guess, since the beginning of 2020 of having, you know, a word or a phrase that I select for 2020. It ended up being ironic, but it was consistency when the pandemic happened. So, you know, I I really rooted onto that word in 2020 of consistency. It, It meant showing up consistently every day on Instagram. It meant consistently taking care of myself in ways that I knew I needed to. It meant, you know, consistently going to my therapy appointments. It meant consistently journaling my morning pages. It really meant doing the things that I needed to do to show up for myself. And then in in different ways, through quarters of the year, I might pick another word or another phrase to focus on for that period of time. And so for me, I think that's kind of like where the wheels kept turning, how I kept having forward motion. Um, And I I credit a lot of that to your seeding the year. I have copies of that from 2020 and um, 2021. And I think that that mentality of working with the quarters and the seasons Real and you know, even from a business perspective, Q1, Q2, Q3, I really in the last year and a half have adopted this idea of okay, these three months are about these things, and then I'm going to reevaluate where I'm at after that, take another focus. Because for me, that takes off the pressure of thinking I need to be at an end goal, or I need to be healed, or I need to be done with this issue. You know, sometimes you Sometimes you look at the astrology calendar for the year or you get a year ahead reading and you're like, yes, all of these things. Um, My, I know this has been the Hierophant year and you mentioned in my year ahead reading that I had with you so much, the importance of the student teacher archetype. And I think that that is just what I have come back to a ton this year. Um, Really trying to remember that as much as I want to teach others, I am still constantly learning and I, I wouldn't have it any other way. I'm constantly craving getting more information. And so in terms of where people can start, they, they know inside where they're ready. If, if they're needing to focus on something like their security and working with Saturn or, you know, maybe there's someone that really just only needs to focus on nurturance and they want to work with the moon. I think that working with the archetypes is also a great place to start. Yeah. So I've been seeing that you have readings and it seems like they're focused particularly moon, Saturn, and Chiron. Is that true? 
Yes. So I started that at the beginning of the year as a beta test. You know, I hadn't really read any other charts professionally yet. And I didn't want, you know, people were asking for that in addition to tarot. And I thought, oh man, I would love to, but, um, so in my head, I had always been playing with this idea of structure and nurture as being what's most important um, for reparenting your inner child. And a lot of that comes from your soft strength. But then that book I mentioned earlier, Growing Up Again, I got this when I was in social work school, I think in my uh, trauma-focused class. And it's really amazing because it has two sections that talk about structure and nurture as being lanes in a highway. And so essentially you've got your lanes that you want to stay in. And then when you start veering off the edge, that's when you start having abuse and neglect. And it's all about how we were raised and then how we raise ourselves, how we can you know, change that as we treat ourselves better as adults. And so the idea of Saturn being structure and the moon being nurturance, that just completely clicked for me. I want to say, well, it was probably isn't Capricorn season, some Capricorn season. I was reading so much about Saturn and Saturn was moving out of Capricorn and you know, ending that Saturn return. And all I could think was there's got to be something here. And I, I might've teased it a couple of times in my stories, asking people if they thought it was anything, you know, posting a little poll, yes or no. And then I ended up getting I believe eight beta testers where I just you know read their charts, only looking at their moon, Saturn and Chiron and the aspects to one another. And I did those for free and just, you know, they ended up, I got some tips and one of the um, people that ended up getting a reading with me actually helped me do a little editing and reformatting and thought, Oh, well, this is great. This is great. But I, uh, they said this section would be wonderful. I would love to have it on all three. And so it really helped turn it into a full product. And I had some people tell me, you know, price it this high, price it this high. Oh, this is such a great value. And I think because I'm still so new reading for other people, I try to keep it in that more reasonable, affordable range. But these readings are really something. I've gotten some incredible responses. I've had people that print them out and take notes all over them. And I think that it's, I think it's really something to work with those pieces of your chart, even if, even if it's not the full picture. And I think that's what always gives me a little hesitancy about it because it is what I call a spotlight reading. It's not the full picture. It's not looking at everything. If you've got your son on your Chiron, it's not necessarily all that, but it could be one day. And part of me feels like if this really resonates with people and if it's something that's a great tool for them in their own inner journey, then, you know, that's just win-win for me. <laughs> I love it. It's so great. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> I, do you use a whole sign system? I'm wondering. Oh, you know, I, I use, I use Placidus. I have learned on that just because, you know, astrology apps and whatnot, but I do for my aspects, I prefer to use whole sign that because, you know, they're not always going to line up perfectly. And I like to really paint a story about how, you know, your moon and your Chiron are talking, even if they're not a direct opposition, maybe they're you know, sitting in opposite signs, but in different houses, I like to get really specific about what, exactly those two are kind of saying to each other and what they're asking for. 
A lot of that's around your concept, I will say, of um, feeding the signs. I think that was really transformational for me in my astrology learning and specifically using it as a tool for inner work. I think that um, kind of giving your signs or giving the planets also in this case what they would like to have really helps bring that balance and satisfaction into your life in a different way. Mm, I love this. <laughs> yeah. I asked because you may not have Chiron in the second house in a Placidus chart, right? No, I don't. I have it in first. And so yes. <laughs> running it in whole sign was actually pretty incredible for me. I felt, especially at that point in time, you know, it was probably um, sometime last year that I really looked at that a little closer And I thought to myself, oh, great, I can be finished healing my identity wounds and start working on my self-worth. Awesome. (laughs) And so I did. (laughs) That's that's how I, that's how I do it. Well, you, you mentioned in my year ahead reading that I re-listened to this morning. So perfect. You said that whatever sign um, or whatever house system you're listening to or using at the moment is kind of what you need at that moment. Mm. I think that's just perfect. It's all interpretations and storytelling and thinking about what it means for you. So I I love that about astrology. I still feel like I am very intermediate in my learnings, but maybe beginner to intermediate on different topics, especially because it's just such an expansive world. Never ends. It it relieves my uh, anxiety that I need to know everything when I think about how impossible it is to know everything. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It's a relief to think, okay, I will stay in my lane. I will say this is my education. This is where I learn things from. And, you know, (laughs) just, just try to, you know, speak to what you know and know what you don't know. I think that's one lesson of 2021. We are all learning exactly what we don't know. Oh my gosh. Well said. (laughs) Yeah. So my, that's one of the only thing that shifts for me when I switch sign systems is my Chiron goes from being second house to first house. Um, Nice. I think my, my eighth house stellium breaks up. I think that might be the only other change for me. I think what, what my, um, my Neptune, my Uranus, one of them slips over into the seventh house when I switch into whole signs. But other than that, most of it stays the same. So your moon stays in the sixth and your Saturn stays in the eighth. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yes, I, um, I'm curious. Um, I don't know if, did you, you said you might look at mine. I'm just like curious if you. Oh, yes. Let me pull up some of the. <laughs> I'm like, I want a little piece of this reading. <laughs> yes. Yes. So I just looked based on what sign they were in. Well, in house, in house for everything. Yeah. Everything lined up because you're a, for, you're an Aries rising. So everything stayed the same. And I did, I did run whole sign because I knew that's what you use. So here's what I have. As a little teaser, <laughs> yes. when you consider how you treat yourself in your day-to-day routines, oh, just kidding. That was mine. <laughs> I wrote mine down as well. Okay. Here's yours. When you consider how you treat yourself in your day-to-day routines, your Capricorn moon inner child has the following needs. Learn to stay grounded and connected to your body. Promote stability in daily practices tune into your emotions and feel safe to express them. 
When you reflect on the structures in your life supporting your reparenting, consider your Saturn's needs. Allow your instincts to guide your process. Express your regal nature by allowing yourself to exude confidence. Provide yourself with activities as an adult that you desired to do as a child, but were unable to, to provide inner child healing. When you need to tend to any shadows that feel soft, hidden, wounded, or scary, lean on what your Chiron needs to soothe yourself. Accept your self-worthiness by building up a strong self-esteem, a deep understanding of your personal values, create a serene environment for yourself, nurture your relationship with food, healthy relationship with money, examining blocks around accumulating wealth without embodying greed, and practical household magic, like cooking, gardening, cleaning. So that's a little sample of the chart. (laughs) I go more in depth. I offer more in the full reading for each category. And then of course there's deep dives on each of those placements. So I just wanted to give you a couple from each section that I came up with. You're so welcome. (laughs) Oh, I love, um, there's some keywords you use that I haven't integrated into my own self-concept of my chart. And I am really grateful. Thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Did you want to share yours? Yes. So they're just so fitting. And I I think you will um, appreciate them too, with what you know about me and my chart. So for, for my uh, moon, my needs are to understand our ability to handle intensity for our privacy to be respected and for sexuality to could be completely disassociated from shame for Saturn step into your own authority, show up for yourself, no matter the task at hand, break down outdated patriarchal constructs, not Saturn and Capricorn. <laughs> yeah. And then for Chiron honor your need to display fearless individuality Channel your anger into creative expressions, time dedicated to exploring your inner worlds and nature, practice skills of assertiveness and boundaries, energy exertion through sports and physical activities, nourishment through food, including ritualistic preparation and passing down of nutritional wisdom, dedication to building your self-esteem and self-image, practice openness and vulnerability with others, and prioritize what makes you unique and stand out as opposed to identifying as part of a family or group. Oh, yeah. That last one, especially. (laughs) (laughs) Cancer, we see you. My Chiron and Cancer siblings. (laughs) They all know. (laughs) Oh, that's so interesting to think about. Um, I hadn't really thought about how Pluto in Scorpio generation has like a segment that's Chiron and Cancer, you know? Yes. And we're the Capricorn stellium generation to the outer planets, 89 babies. I think that part, I mean, I'm just, I feel like I was destined for astrology a little bit when I look at my chart, because there's just so much goodness, especially in the bracket that I was born within. I feel like a lot of people are really waking up for their own inner healing and seeing how astrology incorporates in that. I love it. I have a lot of people in my community that have these placements. Um, 
it would be interesting for me to just study my chart just in terms of like how that magnetism operates, you know, but I haven't actually. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. I think, and I I really love looking at the generational shifts for Chiron. Um, I get a lot of people that have the Saturn and Aquarius opposite Chiron and Leo. And that's really fun to read for. Oh, yes. Yeah. I I really love that one. Oh, it's a little sec. They're all going through their Saturn return or right about two right now. (laughs) Yes. All that stuff is lit. Yes. Makes sense. (laughs) Well, I'm so excited for you and just feeling how you are living your chart and you are living the wisdom that you've magnetized to yourself and embodying it and everything that you're doing. And it's just, it feels like you're creating a life that's full of what you want with it, you know? Ah, yes. Thank you. I appreciate that. I feel like a lot of my life before I, you know, really started identifying as a witch, it was kind of things that just fell into place or things I thought I should do or, oh, okay, I graduated. So I'm going to do this. And da, 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 da. and then once you really start waking up to your own power and realize you can shift your life. Oh, well, I, I just appreciate you witnessing that in me. I think, I think that is just so validating that you see that. I really do. And you know, what's so cool about it. And of course, you know, this is like, uh, because you are so connected to your self-trust and your, your own creativity and your own, like knowing that your inner parent has you, you know, that Mm -hmm. anything that can come forward, you're just gonna be able to, to trust yourself in it, you know, like, yes. Oh, thank you. It's, it's a little, the fool energy. I was just thinking of the (laughs) fool card as you said that kind of that and that's how a lot of witches for Bernie has been for me. It's been a little bit of, all right, I've decided this. I'm going to leap off this cliff and just trust that I'm going to be caught by the universe and that everything's going to be okay. <sighs> yes. Ah, it's that ease. <laughs> My word for 2021 has been ease. I won't say I've been falling Ooh, on it as, as it hasn't been as present for me as consistency was last year, but Ah, that's that sensation that it just brought up for me. Ease. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, ease is confronting, um, right. You know, uh, Mm -hmm. and, um, then you meet a whole set of resistances around ease, just like you had, may have had resistances around consistency. Yes. Being Saturn and Capricorn, you, you had some like chart help. <laughs> and I'm, I'm just thinking now, I think with ease, it's really about having to remove things from your pathway, you know, that kind of decluttering, removing what's no longer needed. That's, that's, yes. I think, and, and those are themes that are coming up for me this year. I think uh, even just letting go of belongings from childhood and things that I'm like, oh, I need to hold on to this. And embracing that idea of no you can take a picture of it and you can donate it it's going to be okay the memories are there and then you've got less sticking around and you've got room for ease yeah it's not it's not carry you're not carrying it around with you all the time mm-hmm. um, gotta I'm, lighten that load lighten that load of saturn <laughs> yes exactly then you can be more specific and more attendant to what you want to put your discipline into 
Exactly. It's kind of, kind of making me think of like harvesting culling themes to be able to pull up all of the, all of the weeds after the harvest, make sure that you've got everything clear for the next year so you can plant those new seeds. Mm, that does feel <laughs> so on right now. So thank you. So tell me where people can find you if they want to follow you, if they want to have readings with you. Yes, absolutely. Right now. So I've got a whole host of places I am as I've been expanding in the last couple of months. Um, mainly I'm on Instagram at witches for Bernie with the number four. And then I do have a Twitter account. You can find me on there. And Patreon is the place where if you are looking to work with me on an ongoing basis, you can, I've got weekly reports that I've been posting, trying to dip a little bit into the astrology and sharing about how it's coming up for me and offering a space for people to talk about how it's coming up for them. And I just launched that in the beginning of May. It's pretty intimate circle right now. Thank you. It's very intimate. And I'm just like obsessed with the people that are in it. They have been stand up committed to, you know, showing up for me while I keep showing up for them. And I think that that's something that is just going to keep growing as the year goes. I've got lots of plans for it. And so, you know, if anyone wants to hop on that train, they can. And then I have an Etsy shop where I've been brewing some oils, some ritual candle oils, put on your body oils since February. And those are themed around tarot cards. Like for example, I have a high priestess oil that has the lavender mugwort rosemary smells so good. I used some of that before we're, before we sat down for this. And so, um, that's another way that you can work with me. I have Saturn return readings available on there as well for the Saturn and Aquarius babies. I started offering those I think just in January. And that's been a really exciting adventure to look specifically at people's charts to see where Saturn lives and then what's getting activated by Saturn coming back around through that area. Yeah. And let me think if I'm missing anything else. I've got some, you know, on Instagram, I have my link where you can find anything. I have some digital downloads I've put together, like a Pluto retrograde tarot spread. Um, for my patrons, they'll be receiving one of those. They've started to receive those for every retrograde of 2021. Um, it's a really in-depth 24 card spread that I built out that kind of looks at the different areas of your chart. I based it off. I, I haven't gone too in-depth on how I created it. Nobody's asked too much yet, but I actually created it off the Zodiac houses. And so if you do the reading for yourself. You can kind of see what you need to do to tend to your identity, to tend to your self-worth through that retrograde period. And so that, that was just me trying to get a little creative and see what else I could offer for my patrons in the yes, beginning. Keep doing it. Yes. I think it's something <laughs> I wrote down a couple of times in my notes and I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to make it. <laughs> you know, playing around in Canva using, I've got Adobe Acrobat DC. So I make PDFs and it's been fun. I've always wanted to do digital downloads. I think that's been one of the best ways that I slowly dipped my toe into learning, you know, professionally I mean, everything under the witchcraft sun um, over the last few years. I think it's really nice to make things easily accessible for people so they can start to learn. They can get a taste of if you're a person that they want to work with and learn more from. And I don't know, it's just, it's just nice to be able to share what I've learned. So I think sometimes you spend a lot of time 
really, really paying attention and integrating stuff in your head. And then you just think, what am I going to do with this? And for me, I think, well, I want to share it with other people. (laughs) And I think what you model that is so inspiring. It can be so inspiring for many people is the way you've um, allowed yourself to be uh, like t- to meld and to weave together your other passions and your your background and your education your, your many experiences with the version of which or the version of astrologer that you that you present you know mm-hmm. and you're not trying to be like some other astrologer you know or some yes like you you found a way to be specifically you and in that it's it it magnetizes everyone else who's interested in that nexus between politics, witchcraft, astrology, moon, you know, uh, business, like all these different things that you have a background in. Lots of people can really resonate with that. And for people who are trying to figure out like, how can I merge this person that I am and this person that I've been in my background with this burgeoning interest that I have, it's like you, you're really a model for how to do that with a clear voice. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. I think that a lot of that's just been wanting to show up authentically and feeling like I've spent so much of my life saying, okay, well, this is the version of me that shows up here. This is the version of me that shows up here. I'm this way with this person. I'm this way with this person. And wanting to move beyond that, wanting to make sure that I don't necessarily feel like I'm compartmentalizing myself in that same way. And that's, that's been, I mean, I couldn't do that if I didn't have people that were supporting me on my page, telling me that, yes, I'm interested in this. Yes. Keep talking about this. Otherwise I would probably think no one cared. And I was just talking into the void, but I know that other people are thinking about things like this. They care about the fact that everyone is hurting individually on certain levels while we're also hurting so much collectively on levels that can't necessarily, you know, we can't wave a magic wand and change it, but maybe we can get, you know, hundreds or thousands of witches lighting a candle on the same night, thinking about the same thing. And then the next day they all also take a direct action, you know, like that's, that's how we could really transform things. It's all about people coming together with the same goals, the same intentions, and those actions that are all in alignment. And I just see so much potential in social media, even though it's, you know, it's got its own limits in terms of, you know, who can access which pages, who sees which pages pop up in the algorithm. I know that it's, it's complicated for everyone to try to feel like that's a useful way to exist in 2021. But I also felt like while we were all you know, stuck at home during 2020, it really transformed the way that using our voices on the internet was perceived. It became important for us to speak out about issues and to not just feel like we're living in a silo where everything's fine in our house because we're you know putting our heads under the sand. But to really say, yeah, everything's kind of messed up right now. We don't necessarily know what to do about it, but we know something needs to happen and we do actually have some plans on certain things. And I think it's been really inspiring to see how many people want to come together and and find ways to really shake things up. Well, one of my, um, 
Yes. I was going to say one of my first readings I actually did that was paid in January was called the role for the revolution readings. And I had it kind of framed around 2021. So it was, I I think I stopped it um, probably in February, but it was a four card reading, two tarot cards, and then two Oracle decks. There were the decks I'd been working with all through 2020. I'd been sharing pictures of them. So people were familiar with them and oh my goodness, I, had the most incredible readings that I gave. I had so many just inspired ideas from the cards that I would pull in combination and thinking of ways that they represent, you know, to me, the six of pentacles is mutual aid. Mm -hmm. Easy. I drew that for someone. No problem. I knew exactly how I interpreted that. And then the other ones that weren't as obvious, I would have to really think. And for me, it shaped the way that I looked at our roles the ways that we can all show up. It really lended you know, opportunities for, yes, a person could do this. A person could offer daycare at, um, you know, at DSA meetings, Democratic Socialists of America. Someone can offer to do daycare so that the working parents can be involved once meetings are in person again. Little things like that, that I don't think a lot of people necessarily think of off the top of their head, but I've seen people talk about it you know, on Twitter, on Instagram, I, I pay attention and I see the themes, the needs. I think that's the social worker in me. I really like to identify the needs and say, Hey, these resources are hanging out over here. Can I give these to you so you can use them? Are they helpful? Um, and that's, it's kind of what, that's kind of what astrology and tarot are. They're just tools to be like, Hey, this is helpful. Can you use this? Ashley, I think this last part is really, really important. I'm so glad we touched on that. You told that. Um, I feel like there's, there's still so much just like fertile zone there for you. Um, and for all of us. And I think that there, there could, there's a really yearning for help seeing these symbolic languages and these tools, through the lens of our current reality and how to be in service to whatever the revolution is that we're serving, you know, right. Exactly. The the world that we have and that we want, you know, and I think that that's so much of what you're doing is you're inspiring community activism through these lenses. And it's, it's really wonderful. It's really important. And please keep going. I'm just so excited to closer communication and, um, and I'm excited to watch what you do next. Ah, well, thank you so much. I am excited to see what comes next. I'm certainly not stopping anytime soon. (laughs) I'm holding out for 2022. Something, something big is going to happen in 2022. We know. (laughs) We'll see. Thanks for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Ashley Estabrook of Witches for Bernie. 
please check out Ashley's work via the links that I'll be including in the show notes. You can just go to Instagram and search for her work at witches4, like the numeral four, Bernie. I'm very grateful to Ashley for her time. And I'm honored that this was her first ever podcast interview. And that just makes me really happy. So thank you again, Ashley Astrobrook, for sharing your story with us. If you've enjoyed this conversation, if you're loving Moon to Moon, I would love it if you would take the time to rate and review the podcast before you sign out today. And do look into the course page for soft strength if it's calling for you, if it's calling to you. If you know that you're ready to go there. It's a really transformative class. I've included um, a question and answer section at the bottom of the course page. So if you're having any concerns about the class, whether that's practical or emotional, please please check out that Q&A section to see if that might help answer some things for you. And of course, you're always welcome to just send me an email. Jonathan and I are having so much fun preparing for you to come and join us in Soft Strength. I've shared here and there that this year I will be supported in leading Soft Strength with my dear friend and student and teacher, colleague, collaborator, Jonathan Coe. So many people who listen to this podcast know of Jonathan's work, of Jonathan as a human being, and having Jonathan's help to really kind of pull in the group together and um, hold the space for the powerful transformations that can happen. You can have powerful transformations at a very subtle level. You know, they don't have to be life-changing in a disruptive way. But the course is transformative. And so I really felt like I wanted someone to come and help me in holding that space. And everyone who's been in the presence of Jonathan knows how wonderful they are at holding that role. So... Please check out the course page, and um, I'm also going to include a link to Jonathan and my webinar on eclipses, since we're still in the eclipse window and it's churning for so many, and I am hearing such wonderful things from feedback from that webinar. I thought it was really awesome. I'm really proud of it. Uh, It's free. And it will also give you a sense for how Jonathan and I work together, like what our vibe is like. So if you're thinking about investing in soft strength, you can get a sense of like, who are these people that are holding this space from the webinar? So thank you for listening. And I'm wishing you all the best uh, through the Eclipse portal and into the summer season coming up here. Cheers. Cheers.